Have you ever been assigned a patient that winds up being not so cut and dry? Like those patients in acute care or the nursing home who have dysphagia but struggle to complete exercises or compensatory strategies because of their intellectual or developmental disability. Or the patient with respiratory failure who develops respiratory-driven cardiac arrest, gets intubated for 10 plus days, and is on a trach and vent. Oh, and he also has a history of stroke, congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, and traumatic brain injury. No textbook or single webinar could ever prepare you for that. But we have something that can help you get there, and it's totally free. On May 19th, the MedSLP Collective is hosting another never-been-done-before virtual summit titled Advanced Therapy for Complex Patients, a Medical SLP's Guide. Learn critical concepts with actionable steps you can take for those not-so-cut-and-dry cases. You can earn up to 0.8 advanced ASHA CEUs if you are or you become a member of the MedSLP Collective, and the recording is also available inside of the Collective. Ready to scale your clinical skills? Go to medslpcollective.com forward slash summit to register today. This is episode 234 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is Julia Tuckman. She is the author of the book, Dysphagia Naturally. She is a disabled writer and photographer who has had dysphagia since 1995 due to post-viral damage affecting her neurologically. Originally thinking it was an allergic reaction, she assumed it would go away, and when it did not, she went to the hospital for help where they did all the swallow tests. Her swallow showed very little motility and food getting stuck, and because she could not tolerate other limited foods available in the mid-90s, she had to figure out how to create the right liquefied food and diet in order for her to survive. This resource book that she has written is all she has learned in those ensuing years in order to help other patients. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, a mobile fees business owner, and founder of the MedSLP Collective. This podcast is all about delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere. Whether you're a new clinician seeking tangible tools for treatment or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is to help ditch the old school ways of the past that no longer serve you or your patients, to reinvigorate your passion for our field, to broaden your knowledge about our scope of practice, and to inspire you to practice at the top of your license. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride, be open and willing to learn, because let's face it, your patients deserve that kind of care. With that, let's dive right in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Hi, Julia. Hi. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Yeah. So, Julia, I'd I'd love to tell how you ended up on this podcast, but this was such a wonderful surprise and one of the things I love about doing the podcast, and I'm so happy to hear that you found my book and enjoyed my book. And yeah, I'll, I'll have you tell the people a little bit about who you are and how you ended up on this podcast. Okay. Well, you know, I live in New York City, and I've dealt with a chronic illness for, um, you know, since 1995. Actually, actually, I got sick in 88. But in 1995, I suddenly I woke up, I couldn't swallow food. And I had a lot of allergies. So I thought that it was just allergies. And I waited, and it didn't get better. And so I finally went to a local hospital. And they did the I think it's the mammometry, mammometry, yep. Mammometry, yep. and there was major, major issues. 
So that was, I mean, this is 1995. Yeah. A long time ago. So this was before the internet. And for some reason, I don't know why I, I got lost in the shuffle, but I was never sent to an SLP. There was nothing to look up on the internet. I, I also had these environmental sensitivities. So I couldn't eat the, I couldn't drink the insurer. I couldn't, um, in those days, I don't even think they had many, many options in terms of protein powders and, and all the nutritional things. So I had to figure it out myself and it took a lot. It took a lot. And I got a Vitamix. <laughs> that was, that was the first step. But the reason I'm here is I wrote, I wrote a resource book and it came out in February. And I believe it's the first resource book for patient, for dysphagia patients. Uh, written by a patient. I don't even know. I, maybe you would know. Is there any resource book? No, no. And that was honestly why I wrote mine too, because I was like, how is this such a, um, for lack of a better term, common, you know, it's, it's such, it's gaining, you know, prevalence. It's becoming more and more popular and happen, happening to more and more patients, but there's just nothing out there. Well, it, and it, same, it yeah. Me. Yeah. I mean, it, it actually shocked me. And the truth is, and I'm sure you've had this with long-term patients. I've had this for so long that it's just, become part of my life. I mean, luckily it's better than it was when I first got diagnosed where it was just completely liquids, but I just, it's just such a normal part of my life. And I have other health issues that until, um, I think it was two summers ago, my mother had a choking incident. And, um, so until she got a barium swallow, they, the aide that was here had to feed her, you know, safe food. And I saw the aide trying to make I guess it was oatmeal in the blender and it came out. It looked like, um, glue, like nobody, no, someone who, someone who could win the Nathan's hot dog contest couldn't, couldn't eat that. So I was, it's, it's almost like a light bulb went off in my head. Oh, people don't just know how to make this food. And I know it sounds, I mean, if, if I think about it, it sounds a little insane, but if that's all you know, yeah. you know, so I, I had to show her she had to add water. <laughs> And, you know, and I had to make it, I actually had to make it myself again. And then the next day they left some fruit by her bed and I had to explain that it was a choking, uh, you know, she could choke. So luckily my mom, um, it was just a one-time incident, but it really opened me up into the, the fact and the, what you're saying is there really isn't, people really don't know how to deal with this. So because I had figured it out so long ago and it was such a part of my life I just I just assumed everyone knew and also just one more thing on Facebook there are a lot of groups now luckily for for patients and each every patient you know they all help each other and when a new patient comes into the group they they just don't know what to do mm-hmm. you know so I realized that there really should be a resource book for patients you know yeah I, I love this, Julia. I, I, I love that you took the time to actually, you know, write the book. And mm-hmm. had you been part of any, any sort of support groups or anything like that? Or did you, you know, where did you get your support? Where did you get your inspiration from? Well, that, that's, that's a, that's a good question. I, especially before the internet, I really didn't have support. And these groups on, on Facebook are wonderful. I've gotten support there. This Swallowing Foundation. Of course, I, I mentioned them quite a bit in the book because they really have been so helpful to people. Um, and I know you had Ed, Ed Steiger. Yep. You yep. were interviewing. Yeah. Yep. And he was talking about, you know, patients being advocates. And that's the thing. When you have this, you really, 
you know, I, I have sort of a fight. Well, I do. I have a fighting spirit. And that's why I was able to even survive this long or figure it out. But it's just amazing to me, like we were talking about, that there really isn't more help when someone is just diagnosed and they don't know how do I, how do I, how do I eat like this now? How do I create, you know, sustenance? Yeah. Yeah. What would, I I would love to hear your perspective, Julia, in what would you say to speech pathologists? What what would you share with them about your experience? Because I think, you know, that's something in our field, we're still learning so much about swallowing disorders. And I think we're sort of just seeing just this one way tunnel of, you know, how we treat swallowing disorders. And I've, I've learned so much with my son that it's so multifactorial and there's so many psychosocial, emotional, psychological aspects to it too. And I, I would love to hear sort of what you would want professionals dealing with swallowing disorders to know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why I wrote this book. I mean, I, I remember 10 years ago, I went to a major swallowing clinic in New York city and um, I asked the, I don't know if she was an SLP, but she ran, she ran the clinic and I said, is there psychological help for me? Because I, I realized I started to avoid social situations. Yeah. It was really, you know, causing a lot of depression. And um, she said, no, no, we don't have that just for people with swallowing phobias. And I remember just, just being so taken aback that, which is wonderful that people with swallowing phobias have help, but how does someone deal with the psychological ramifications of suddenly you can't eat normally Uh, You know, a lot of people in these groups are very scared. You know, how long is this going to last? Is this my life? So I was taken aback by that. And in all honesty, it took me. So I was diagnosed in 95. It was only four years ago that I finally found a psychologist who specializes in people who are disabled and who has really helped me. But 20 plus years to not find that. And so that's another reason I wrote the book. I have a section for, you know, for psychological health. I have a section uh, for nutritional health, even some names of people who help people through, through Zoom, you know, thank God for Zoom. So that it took me even so that long to get psychological help. And what I, what I do want SLPs to realize, and I, I understand nobody can really realize what this is like unless you live it. Mm-hmm. That That's understandable. And more psychological support is needed. And I know the SLPs can't do that. They're not trained psychologists. They're not trained nutritions. You, you study a lot for your own specialty. And, uh, in fact, on Facebook, I had asked the people in the group, uh, last week what they think I should discuss here. And mainly they said, you know, why isn't there more nutritional help? And there was an SLP who was on the thread and I could tell she got a little upset. I think she felt and again, there's no tone in, in yeah, threads, right, right, right. but I, but at the sense was that she, you know, she said, we'd have to go to school for another four years and that's not our specialty. And what I explained to her, I said, I said, I don't think these people, I know myself, I didn't expect her to be a nutritionist. What I would expect is somebody to send the person or whatever hospital, whatever, whatever um, clinic to send the person in conjunction to a nutritionist. Yeah, to get help because it really is a very difficult process. I still, even now, you know, sometimes, you know, I fall back and sometimes I'll rely on some chocolate or not do what I have to do. But that's exactly, and that's why this book would actually help SLPs 
because they could tell the patient to get this book or they can have the books there. And so the patient can see, oh, here's the support groups. Here's, here's the nutritionist that might work with me. Here's how I advocate for myself. And, you know, it's, it's been a long, long road, but I really, if there's something that can come out of what I went through that can help people that that's part of healing. And I've, I've already, and I've already gotten lots of letters from, from patients. Um, one person, I was actually looking for it before we got on the call. One patient in England, she wrote a review and I thought it was beautiful. She said something like this, this is a book for humans. I feel like this person is talking to me like, like a friend. Yeah. Because, and as you know, when you're, when you're sick or, 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 uh, ill for so long, you begin to not feel like you're heard. You begin to not feel like you're, you're, you know, especially with eating, eating is such a part of, of, of our social life and who we are as humans. So, so I thought that was a beautiful review. Um, cause that's what I wanted. That's yeah, what I wanted yeah. the book to be. Yeah. I, I would love to dissect that a little bit more, Julia, because I know all of my, you know, dealings are with my son and his experiences and, and what, you know, what you said, we do have, we do have two different SLPs for him and we also have a dietitian and they're all, they all, you know, conversate together. So, you know, I love what you said about it's something that we need to consider. And and I don't think that we as SLPs do a good enough job of doing that. You know, what, what would you suggest? Is it something like, because there are, there are certain things that we can partner with, you know, dietitians or nutritionists on, you know, we can do in services together. We can create, you know, sort of resource lists. Is it, is it different foods? Is it different ingredients? What can you talk a little more specifically about what you're thinking? One of the reasons, and I write about this in the book, um, and it's called dysphagia naturally, <laughs> the book. I, I don't know if I mentioned that, but you know, I, I had severe, I still have allergies, but I had severe, even more so environmental allergies then. So I really had to try to figure it out because the, the insure and the boost at that time, I couldn't have it because I don't work in hospitals. I don't know what the answer is, but I do know here in New York, and I don't know what it's like in other states. When I asked for a dietitian, they said there is no dietitian covered unless you have diabetes. And I thought, yes. And I thought, how absurd. So I have to get diabetes <laughs> to, yeah. in order to get help. I mean, yes. yeah. 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 So I wish I knew the only, the, the step that I've taken to, to change it is this book. Yeah. yeah. In other words, that there's even just a resource guide available and that people can look at that. But look, there are so many things in medicine that have to change and it's not just with this. But there's so many aspects to dysphagia. And again, I talk about the psychological. It really, you know, it can cause trauma. It can cause, you know, avoidance of, of eating situations. So again, I don't know why this clinic in New York had psychologists for people with phobias, but didn't think enough of the psychological ramifications of, of not eating for so long or having to live in this new way that, um, that's very painful psychologically. So I wish I could say I knew an answer, but for me, as somebody who's dealt with this for over 25 years, creating this book to me is one step towards that or talking here because people don't, you know, a lot of people who sign on to Facebook when they first get it, they said, I never knew there was such a thing. You know, I never knew that there were people who couldn't swallow. So, you know, 
Yeah. Well, well, thank you. Cause I think that's so valuable and that's so helpful for SLPs because there's so much that we want to do to raise awareness. And there's so much that we want to learn to be able to help our patients as much as possible. So I think, you know, being able to have those, you know, it, you know, we, we can have in services with nutritionists and dietitians and, you know, psychologists and learn what we need to know so that we can recognize signs or make the appropriate referrals and just know what those professions can offer to patients with swallowing disorders as well. So thank you. I think that's really valuable. And, and it's definitely something that I think a lot of SLPs will take into consideration. Yes. And I, look, I, I understood that that woman who is an SLP, why she, I could feel her frustration because yeah. I'm sure yeah. that you, I, I understand that some SLPs are and don't work with swallowing, but I can understand the frustration yeah. because there's only so much you can do. Yeah. So, and I can feel the frustration of all the patients saying, you know, um, in fact, there was one person um, in my book who, when her son had dysphagia, they had a special concoction in the hospital. And when she left the hospital, she said, can I have the recipe for that? Can I, and they wouldn't give it to her. Yeah. And she had to keep on asking and keep on asking. And finally they did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so like Ed, Ste- I hope I'm saying his name right. Ed, Ed Steiger. I think it's Steiger, I believe. Steiger. I'm sorry. Yeah. Steiger. Okay. When he was talking about advocating it, it really is. It's, it's an exhausting. I, I have to be honest. It's, it's, it's exhausting. And again, that's why I wrote this book. In fact, I, um, I was in the hospital. I stayed for four nights. I had an emergency surgery five weeks ago. And it was my first time staying in a hospital since I've had, you know, for overnight since I've had dysphagia. And most of my time was trying, trying to tell them I had, I had dysphagia like over and over. And then finally they gave me a meal and it was a regular meal. And I told the person, um, you know, I, I, I need a dysphagia meal. And she said, why didn't you tell us? And I looked at her and I my head just was spinning. I said, I told about 25 people, you know, and the dietitian came up finally and I was released the next day, but she, she apologized. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I felt more exhaustion from trying to explain my situation than this surgery, which is very odd. But I just, I think again, there just needs to be, you know, more, more understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's prevalent and we, you know, we don't know why it is either. You know, there's just a lot of the medical community just doesn't know as much about it as, you know, we hope. And, you know, so there's a lot of SLPs that really are advocating for, you know, why they need us and why, why this is also important. And, you know, the, the medical community is slow to, to accept it, but we're definitely, you know, making a lot of headway. So Oh, yeah, I'm hopeful. <laughs> I, I, I'm hopeful too. I'm hopeful just even having this conversation. But, you know, I even, I was very careful with the book. And in fact, I have a cousin, my cousin Lynn, Lynn Auerbach, she's an SLP, but she, she's not a, she doesn't work with swallowing. She works in a school. So I sent the manuscript to her and I sent it to two other SLPs who do specialize in swallowing because I wanted to make sure that I didn't make any mistakes. You know, as much as this has been a part of my life. I, I haven't been trained. And um, so they gave it the okay, which was, which was good. But again, I really just seen all of these people in the dysphagia group who really are struggling and want, and want someone to understand them and want more help. Um, I think that's, that's the beginning. Well, the, yeah, it's, it's your story, Julia. And there, you know, there's nobody that can take that away from you. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, so Julia, if, if you feel comfortable, do you want to share sort of your specific diagnosis, your sort of specific results of your swallow study? I know, you know, SLPs would love to hear a little more technical language and, and we can dive into that if you're comfortable. Of course, of course. Um, well, when I, when I went to the, the hospital, uh, at that time I wasn't living in the city. I was living in the suburb of New York. And when, when I went to the hospital, I believe they did, it was so long ago, they did the mammometry. Am I saying it right? Yep. Mammometry. Which is, which the most, the most feared test out of, out of, I know I was okay. Cause anytime I've had it, the doctor says, Oh, you're really good at that. And I'm like, well, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm good at something, but um, you know, it's a difficult, you know, it's a difficult test, but it showed it, from what I saw the results, I still have them. He just said, just severe major issues, no peristalsis. Um, please check this patient for Lou Gehrig's. I mean, I was young. Check this patient. And my grandfather had had Lou Gehrig's, so maybe that uh, he wanted to look into that. But the neurologist couldn't figure it out. They knew, they knew that something was very wrong, but there was no name to put on it. So I had had a virus in 1988. I had mono and I never really recovered from it. I got what they call chronic fatigue syndrome. And those few years, I was just very, very ill. Um, I couldn't go back to college. We didn't have, we didn't have what we have today where I could have continued. So it was very traumatic. And then to wake up one morning, and I mean, literally wake up one morning, unable to swallow food and then get this diagnosis and not wasn't sent to an SLP. I don't know if it was the time, the time, the time that it was, wasn't given any help. I actually had to go to a special hospital in Texas that dealt with environmental sensitivities. That's a whole other story. But I've never, aside from the holistic people who, you know, feel it was vi- a viral that, that injured the nerves, that's all I know. So I think not, I think there's, there's a part of it that's even more shocking to me where, where it's like, how did this happen? What happened? Yeah. 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 And I, I think, unfortunately, we hear that a lot. We we hear from patients that just have trouble and they don't know why, or they're just, we, can, we as speech pathologists can't pinpoint reasons, you know, and you, you said that, you know, you have reduced motility. And so, you know, at least you have some sort of an answer from, from a test. Some patients come in and we can't even find any physio- physiological reason on a test, but they still just can't swallow, you know. I know, I know. And yeah. I hear, and, and I hear from the, you know, I've, people have written me and I've also heard from patients, they, they are just, it's very difficult for them because they'll be told it's in your mind. You know, it's interesting. My father, uh, my parents are both gone now, but, um, but my father would say to me in the beginning, before I had the dysphagia, I had an illness that was really not understood, the chronic fatigue syndrome. Now that it's in the medical books, they do, it's a whole different world. But in those few years, you know, they thought it was a mental issue and so my father would say, well, even if it was a mental issue, why isn't that something? Like, in other words, to be, there's so many, there's so many, we're so many layers. We're physical, we're emotional, spiritual, mental. I, I feel that doctors are changing now. I see it with the residents and they talk about things like this. But in the 1980s, these people were probably, probably in medical school in the 50s. It was very cut and dry. Something's physical or something's mental. I see there are changes now, but the people who don't have a result on a test, it's very, very difficult, even more so for them because they're, they, they don't have an answer or, or, or sometimes they don't believe them. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I do know that, you know, we as SLPs need to do better about sort of figuring out our network. Like I've heard of some SLPs saying, well, there's nothing wrong with you from a physiological standpoint. I can't help you. Sorry. You know, and, and especially, you know, as a mother of, you know, a son that has dysphagia, I, I get how gut wrenching that is like, okay, so then what's next, you know, who should I go see or what, what should, you know, become next? And, you know, is that outside of our scope of practice? Yes. But is it also our ethical duty? I would argue, yes, that it is to know, you know, how can we help these patients if it's not something that we can see right in front of us? I think it's it's up to us to still have a network of people, you know, like you've said, like a nutritionist, a dietitian, a psychologist, know people within our community so that we can make those appropriate referrals and get you the help that you need. Well, exactly. And that's, you know, maybe I had to figure it all out myself to write this because I do wish someone gave me this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to do a yeah. Time travel. But yes, I put into a book with someone, I wish someone, and you know, it's interesting. You're talking about, you know, compassion and empathy. You can save a life. You know, when somebody is just, I mean, so many people are just pushed aside and just one, one word or one, one sentence, or even saying, you know what? I may not be able to help you, but there's help. There's always help. There, there's always hope. And so that's why in the book, I even talk about self-care, self-compassion. I talk about humor because humor really has kept me alive. I mean, truly has kept me alive. And, and the worst, the worst it's been, the funnier I get, yeah. which, um, <laughs> yeah, which is, which is, you know, it's, it's, that's how we cope as humans, but. Yeah. That's why I talk about all these other parts because it isn't your, the SLPs are, you're specially trained and you're so needed. You're dealing with something that, you know, the mechanical issues and this can't be all on you either. Just like that woman in the group, I understood, I understood why she felt, you know, she probably felt overwhelmed because that's why there has to be that it has to be an integrated, you know, a, different people helping. And if somebody, if their test um, doesn't show an issue. That doesn't mean there's not an issue because I've had many tests. One mammometry was severe. There's an issue. One was okay. Another one wasn't okay. My, my barium swallows are always dysfunctional, but the FEES test seems okay. So I just listen to people, be kind, be compassionate. Um, one, one kind, kind sentence, one, one, um, just like I said, what that gentleman, when he followed me out of the office and it was a very abusive situation and I don't know what the doctor was going through, but it shouldn't have happened, but he took the time to follow me out and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. You know, and, and there is hope and have faith. So I'm whoever that man is. I don't know who he is. I, I'm very grateful to me. He's like an angel. So I, one of the things I can say, and this is why I wrote the book is if, if SLPs can have this book in their, in their practice or just tell their patient that this book exists, it's only on Amazon because it's print, you know, it's, it's, um, the print, you know, I, I can't have boxes of books. Yes. Yep. Yep. But, um, thank God for that. But if they can just tell the patient, at least it will make the SLPs job easier too, where they can do their job. And then here, here's this book and here's all of these resources and all of these people and all of these Facebook groups. And this is the best blender to get. And this is, these are, these are feeding tube resources. And so for me, again, 
just everything I've been through, I, I can say that the SL, you know, the, with the SLP and I could see you have a, you have a really good heart and you, you want to help. And that's why you're doing this podcast as well. Just compassionate, telling people there's still hope and being present for the person. You know, this is a person suffering. This is a person who has just lost, uh, I mean, I, <laughs> to lose the ability to eat food normally affects every area of one's life. Yeah. Yep. You know? Well, thank you for sharing your story, Julia. I know this well, thank you. Thank wasn't you. easy, but no. I, it's, it's a, it's interesting as I've gone through experiences with my son too, it's how you sort of turn your, you know, what do they say? Turn your trauma into triumph or, you know, turn your, exactly. Yeah, I, I can't exactly. Think of the word that I'm trying to say, but. Well, I, I even in the book, I, in the book, I even have a list of books that can be helpful. And, and one of the books is, uh, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And if anyone hasn't read it, please read it. But he, um, he talks about purpose, you know, that, that we need purpose in life. And, um, he created a therapy. He, he actually went through the Holocaust and he survived the Holocaust and he created a therapy. Can you imagine? <laughs> because he saw in the camps that the people, the people who had who had something to live for some meaning in life were the ones who survived. So for me, having gone through 25 years of illness and writing this, that's part of meaning, you know, helping others. So, you know, I, I would like to write books, you know, for people with other illnesses like this as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you again, Julia. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any, any final thoughts, any, anything else you'd like to share with the people? Well, just thank you for having me. You know, I'm really, I'm really, you know, one thing, you know, my, I, I said my parents are both gone. My mom passed away in October and she, both my parents, I think I will, I will say this. I think one of the reasons I got through this over the years is my parents were so supportive and loving. I can't even express how much so. And, um, when my mother saw the beginnings of this book, I gave her the, 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 the manuscript. It was very bare bones. She held it in her hand. She said, Julia, you got to get this out there. You got to, this can help people. This can help people. So I guess I, I'm just grateful for my parents. I'm grateful that I'm still alive to be able to even share everything I've learned. And I'm grateful that you've given me the platform to do that. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely put links to Julia's book. It's called Dysphagia Naturally, and it's available up on Amazon and it's Julia Tuckman. It's spelled T-U-C-H-M-A-N. So go check out her book. And again, thank you, Julia. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. And this is what this podcast is all about. And, you know, coming full circle and getting professionals and patients and other professionals all on the same page. So that's right. And, and also just one thing, if it, you know, I'm going to revise this every year because things change. So if there's any SLP that wants, I know your book is going to be added, but if there's any SLP that has a resource or something that they do that they would like to be added, please email, you know, please email me and I would love to hear. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll put your contact info in, in the show notes too, if that's okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Julia. Thank you. To download the show notes from this episode, please visit com. There you can also sign up for our email so that you'll never miss another episode. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, 
and share it on social media with your friends and colleagues because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Special credit to Danny B. Socrates for her amazing audio and editing skills. As always, thanks so much for listening and see you next week.